Welcome to Sparks of History. Joining us today is Russell Robinson, CEO of the JNF, the Jewish National Fund, since 1997. Previously, Mr. Robinson served as the Vice President of the UJA, United Jewish Appeal. Thank you very much for being with us today. Appreciate it very much, Mr. Robinson. Thank you very much for having me on, Ari. Okay. Uh, just to get started, uh, the JNF, of course, we all remember the JNF when we were kids and the little pushka boxes, and the, really before my time, but the boxes certainly remember that. Um, the JNF today, the overall JNF activities changing post October 7th. So, our, our resilience campaign is about um, really working with people who we have worked with for decades. Uh, our mission, our vision, because I always tell this about, to people that the Jewish National Fund is not about a project here or a project there. We're about, first off, the whole breadth and scope of the land and the people of Israel. Uh, it's our organization with that blue box like one behind me, you know, that people put coins, literally taking food off of their plate to repurchase the land of Israel um, well before the establishment of the state of Israel, all based upon hope. Uh, they didn't have uh, um, podcasts and we didn't have all these kind of marketing uh, opportunities. So it was all based upon hope and 2000 years of prayer. And um, um, what we have today is an organization that has been working for decades to bringing 500,000 people to the Negev, 60% uh, of the land of Israel, 60. Now, the people in the Israel envelope, we've been working with them every day. It's not strangers to us. These are our family members. We have, matter of fact, brought from Steyrot when we were beginning. Steyrot was a community of 21,000. Today is a community of 42,000 scattered now throughout Israel as their evacuees um, in the Eshkol region, Shar Hanega, places which, by the way, Ari, the listeners should know, the first kibbutzim in that area was established in 1943. 1943, before the establishment of the State of Israel, on land purchased by people putting coins in that little blue box. So our resilience campaign on October 7th was something that we were responding to our family needs. Our family was attacked and murdered. Uh, friends of mine killed, murdered, slaughtered. Uh, we were, our family needed to be moved. We had been working with these people and working with people in the Arava and the Ramat HaNegev region where Ben-Gurion's grave is in Stable Care and Yoracham, in places where a lot of people don't travel to, but we know in Beersheba and all around in Arad, and we immediately, over 40,000 people, we helped move to a lot of these communities so that they could go to safety. And our resilience campaign has been there every day. Not them calling us, us calling them, working with them from issues of their own educational uh, program, giving food. Imagine in Mitzpah Ramon, Ari, it's a town of 5,700 people. We placed 3,900 people there overnight. Almost doubled the population. That's 800 diapers that had to be delivered every week. Miss Paravon doesn't have a, a Costco. It has a little grocery I've store. I've so, been there. I've been there. There's no Costco there. No, so no Costco. our resilience campaign has been 
from A to Z on helping from civil defense to feeding a child to providing uh, a resilience therapy for being there every step of the way for the local community that absorbed them, the people. And we're going to be there on Livnot Biachad, building back together the Israel envelope to become one of the envies of the people of Israel. Um, just shifting a little bit to, to the United States, uh, where you are based, of course, what is your take on the alarming rise in anti-Semitism? And has the JNF faced uh, any anti-Semitic pushback since the events of October? So I, I'm one of these that doesn't believe there's an alarming rise. I think that we have an we have a, a an awakening moment. Okay. Uh, you know, it's a, the the black and white became very defined. Uh, uh, you, there's people who hate us and people that don't. And and I want to put this in perspective as well because I've always been a great a proponent to understanding. There's 20 percent of people who hate us. There's 20 percent of people who love us. The people in the middle are are confused, and at best ignorant, or when I say ignorant, not in the terrible way of ignorance, just don't know anything. I mean, let's face it, um, how many people could pick out places in the map of uh, geopolitics and, and, and you know, that's a whole different discussion. But at Jewish National Fund, Israel and positive Israel has been part of our message for years because Israel makes the world a better place. It's a simple statement. Israel makes the world a better place. And we have complicated, I'm talking about the Jewish community as a total, the organized Jewish community. We love complicating and we think education for somehow is like 20 minutes on top at a podium. You know, I, I don't know why we went to school for all those years because they, you know, so many times I hear people, well, if we could just get people in a room and I could give them a, a lecture. Well, it's not a lecture. We have to teach first about the romantic story of Israel. The romantic story that on a Friday afternoon in 1948, that David Ben-Gurion, a smaller, short guy, had a group of people sign a declaration of independence of a state of Israel. By the way, only five had ever lived in a democracy in their lives. And they signed not knowing whether tomorrow they would be around because they were going to be attacked. Yet, they're here. And the romantic stories about Israel that we have done things that have helped bring food onto the plate of African farmers because of our water technologies. No, we got so involved in talking about politics and right and left and religious or non-religious that we forgot to tell about our beautiful romantic story about our Jewish people. And we have to get back to that. Second, we have to invest in teenagers. And at Jewish National Fund, we bought an American high school in Israel, a semester abroad experience called Mas High School. It had 500 students when we took it over 10 years ago. Today, it's 1,600. 1,600 American students who go for a semester abroad, 16 and 17. Now, 51% come from non-Jewish day school. And when they come there, they're in a dual curriculum for the, for the 23, months, 23 weeks. They're learning their biology and their chemistry and their AP calculus, and they're learning 4,000 years of Jewish history where it was written. And they get to walk the land and meet the people. And we have quit investing in our teenagers. And with all due respect to college, it's too late. We have to get back to the teenage world. 
and bring the story and the beautiful story of Zionism alive. Zionism was in the great movements and we gave it up. We gave up the word and we shouldn't. Where else? You know, the first time in the history of the world that a woman was given a right to vote equal with a man was at the first Zionist Congress. Let's tell some of those great stories. And if we tell that and we do that, and that's what we're doing in high school, and we do take non-Jewish college students to Israel on programs to see, because that in the middle, I told you, they're they're, compli they're, they're confused, it's complicated. Let's take them to Israel. By the way, I always like it when they come back a little more complicated because they go with one thought. And by the way, you don't have to do any propaganda. Walk through the streets of Yerushalayim. And that sort of tells you a confusing story. Wait, there's Muslims and Christians and, 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 and Turks and people and every color is walking and doing. This can't be. That's not what I heard. So all we have to do is take people and take non-Jewish professors, work hard at taking non-Jewish professors to Israel, which we have over 600 that we have taken, who had never been to Israel before. Not, by the way, uh, history or political science professors. People that are teaching about music, arts, and robotics, they have students, and by the way, they get they have an opportunity to twin up with Israeli academic and then bring them to campuses, and then there's the reality of who is the real Israel, Israel making the world a better place. So Jewish National Fund is vested in that positive Israel story, and we continue to do so. So, Mr. Robinson, do you think that this, is, this approach, you know, there, there's this approach in the United States, perhaps in Europe as well, that, you know, one of the keys to stemming anti-Semitism is education. And that education is often focused on the Holocaust, which of course is critical for, you know, for, for people to know. What you're saying here is, is you know, as, as good as that is, and that has to be done, I'm sure you, you would say that, in, in order to stem and get people to appreciate Israel more, we have to tell Israel's story, the, the, the revival and renewal of the Jewish people, and maybe not put Holocaust to the back stage, but a little shift in the emphasis. Is, is that what you're saying? I, you know, so obviously Holocaust studies and remembering the Holocaust is so important. We can't ever forget that. But we cannot tie Israel's existence into the Holocaust. Israel was becoming a nation well before the Holocaust. If we would have had Israel in a nation, by the way, would we have saved 1 million, 6 million Jews? You know, if you look at history and you want to study the Holocaust in Israel, and you want to talk about us as a nation, you know, Hitler was willing to sell the Jews. And we had nowhere else to go. We had no place to call home. Because, you know what, we worked very hard at the little coins and that blue box. But think about if we would have been a little more unified, a little more together, purchased, repurchased a little more land, and would have had in Israel... Would we have saved six million? So let's don't put Israel as the result of a Holocaust. The Holocaust was a result because we didn't have an Israel. Now let's talk about Israel and the beauty of it. You know, we're have, we have a culinary institute that we're building up in Kiryat Shimona. So it's going to be open. I am telling you, in a year from now, our culinary institute is going to be one of the finest in the world. It's going to be open in Kiryat Shimona and with all the things that are happening. Now, how can I make the statement, Ari, that our culinary institute in Kiryat Shimona is going to be the best in the world? Because of us. I don't know where your family comes from. 
My family comes from an Alsatian background. I have 15 or 18% in my DNA is Sephardim. We were the first Jewish settlers in Virginia. I have family that came from uh, Grodno. And I have a family member who married a Jew from Turkey. Now, guess what we did with all of that? We took all the spices of our people and we made an unbelievable cholent, but not a cholent like you would know or I would know. We added with uh, with this in it, 82 different nationalities in Israel that make up our land of Israel. We have such a special, unique piece. So how can our culinary be so great? Israeli cuisine is not great because of the chefs alone. Israeli cuisine is great because it's made up of our Jewish people and we bring those flavors together. So let's tell the beauty of who we are as a Jewish people and our heritage. Who, who does the JNF work with in the United States? What's the relationship between the JNF and other large Jewish organizations? So we try to partner with everybody. It's one of our, uh, one of our um, uh, pieces that we believe in. Um, is that all ships have to rise. I'll even tell you about our school. We have a program called Dream Israel. Dream Israel, where we give a $7,500 grant to teenagers who want to come to our school, Alexander Moss High School in Israel. And we give a $7,500 grant if you want to go to Hell or High, which is part of the reform movement. Same high school. It's Or try Israel from the conservative movement. Now, you may say that's... Who would give money to your competitors? We don't see competitors. We see all ships rising. So we work with Yavna on college campuses. Uh, we work with students supporting Israel. We try to find the institutions that are doing the positive, great work of promoting Israel and promoting the connection and bring them into the family. We are so against building the that walls that Jewish organizational life is built. And it's a shame because I got to tell you that generation of tomorrow, they don't see our communities in the same kahila that we all seem to have built here in America. It's a different world. And if we're not going to understand tomorrow's generation, we're going to lose the customer, not because they're wrong, because we were wrong. So we're working with everybody to bring people. We're a world of Jewish people, whether you're right or you're left or religious or you're non-religious, and come together under the beautiful banner of Zionism in Israel. And that's why one of our biggest projects that we're working on is the World Zionist Village. It's going to be a 20-acre village in the middle of Beersheba that's going to have a high school, yes, for us, high school dormitories for Israelis and, and for people around the world. Gap year programs for people around the world. But he not Israelis before their gap year going to the army. A hotel, so that maybe it's a young Israel from Woodmere and a reform temple from LA and a teacher's group coming from Barcelona. But they're all going to be part of a unique conversation of shared values and common destiny of our Jewish people. And I always love this end of this. It's going to be built about a half a mile away from Abraham's well, where our conversation first began. So what do you see as, as the paradigm in the future, given, given what we just mentioned before, that this is a whole new generation, a younger generation. They view community differently. They, their attachments are, are, are different. What's the paradigm then for this? I next? think that, you know what, uh, um, one of the, the I, I say this with a little bit of jest, but not too much. I think organized, organized Jewish world has this great mantra, the customer is always wrong. 
and we really don't care what the customer wants. We're going to keep producing what we want. And if they don't want to buy it, we'll write a great, terrible article about the customer. Now, it doesn't really work in business well, and it doesn't work in our Jewish life well. We invented this American Jewish experience. There is not this American Jewish experience anywhere else in the world. We invented this whole thing. And we forgot that we invented this thing. To, by the way, it was for our purposes to survive in this country. We invented American Jewry. And if you study American Jewry and what we did, it's nowhere else anywhere like this. So the customer tomorrow is us yesterday and the generation before. So they're correct. And if you don't think the customer is right, you're going to be out of business. Now, you have a framework that you have to work within. But they're correct. And they don't want edifices anymore. This was our, this was my grandfather's generation, my father, and now we're still paying. And, you know, when you want to buy into a synagogue, the first thing you have to find out is how big is the building fund, the campaign. Now, that's not what they're into. They don't looking for those edifices that we wanted. We needed to build it to make, we were in competition in America. And we had to compete with America. They want to be Jewish because it's a great thing to be. So let's find out. Let's meet. I think the paradigm of tomorrow is the generation of tomorrow is greater than any generation that we ever had. I meet these young people. I meet our students at Musk. I meet the college students. I'm with them. I, our fastest growing part of our donor demographic is our 22 to 40-year-olds at Jewish National Fund. And I'm telling you, they're looking for being in our tent. We have to know that this is now going to be their tent. It's a fascinating observation because what you're hearing here in Israel now is, is everyone said, what is this next generation, the young generation of Israelis going to be like? This is the social media generation, no attention span, um, not committed. And, and you're seeing during the war now that this generation, the 20, 20 or 20 year olds, 25-year-olds are, are an amazing generation. They, they have, like, risen to, you know, in this war with all the tragedy and the deaths, you know, that, that shouldn't continue. But it, it's people are, like, marveling now at, at this young generation. What you're saying is you, you have to believe in, in, in the next generation. And The best. I am telling you, in Israel, in America, they're the best. And we have to bring them together, by the way. They no longer can have a conversation. You know what? That's why I, I believe in high school. And why do I want to bring my high school kids to Israel? And by the way, I can give you statistics. 25 years ago, we used to bring 19,300. 19,300 American high school kids would go to Israel per year for five weeks or more. Last year, it was less than 3,000. So we were putting money to send people on college. And I'm not going to, everything's great. But if you don't invest in that young generation, and why do I want them to go for five and 12 weeks and 18 weeks and 23 weeks? I want them to meet others. And because at 16, 17, you start building a lifelong relationship. At 30 and 40, you build acquaintances. And I want them, because they're so great, let's open up their eyes and say, wow, this is an unbelievable world. Why should you not? I, I'm always in shock. When I meet Israelis and, and you know, they say, so you guys do celebrate Passover? Yeah. Oh, God. 
let's break down these barriers and let's break down these walls that we we thought we had to build because we looked at Israel, by the way, as we were the big brother and they were, now Israel, all of a sudden it fooled us, by the way, it became equal. So let's be equal and let's build those relationships and those conversations. And I believe that we're going to have the greatest tomorrow, the greatest tomorrow of Zionist Israelis, diaspora Jews coming together, shared value, common destiny. Do you think that the, the current events now uh, in America, North America, and um, efforts of JNF, do you envision an increased Aliyah move to Israel from American Jewry? Is that something that JNF uh, is involved with? And do you envision that happening? Uh, I heard I heard today that uh, you know some uh, one of the the religious uh, leaders here in Israel said, you know, we we hope that American Jews come, but we don't necessarily want them to come because out of fear. We rather they come because they're committed to coming in a positive way. Is your no? Oh, I will. That? So I, we work very closely, and we're a great funder of Nefesh Benefesh. So this is, to me, and I tell this, and I can tell the story about my own daughter. She moved to Israel, made Aliyah. Not to save Israel. In 1967, people couldn't wait to make Aliyah, because I'm going to go save Israel. 73, I'm going to go save Israel. People are moving to Israel. I want to give you something because it's a great place. It's Jewish. It's Zionist. It's it's a great place. And they're not going there to save Israel. And so the increase the Nefesh Benefesh is brought to the reality is that we used to even promote Aliyah for years. Let's go around the world and promote Aliyah. As, you know, by the way, uh, if you're old and sick, you could get health care. Okay, okay. And, uh, you know, Israel is a good insurance policy if everybody hates you. Okay, that's really a positive. And, uh, um, we you know, didn't, we didn't promise you a rose garden. And we never promised you. And guess what? I promise, I, I promise I'm a rose garden. And by the way, great sushi restaurants and uh, 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 great shopping and, you know, all the issues that you could have. And it's a great place. And if you, Promote it because that's the reality. It's not just selling it. Here's the reality. And the reality is, is that you can have it and you can have this young generation that is in Israel that is involved in in the spirit of nationalism. And, and, and you're exactly right what's happening in this terrible war. Okay. Terrible that you're losing lives. But nobody, the, our enemy didn't believe that the 22-year-olds were going to last. They thought it was going to be a TikTok moment, you know, and okay, so how long are they going to last being a soldier? Because they, if it lasted over, you know, 190 characters in 22 seconds, it's over. They're showing such resolve. By the way, before, and I, not just be kind of political issue, because it wasn't, but I would speak before October 7th, that Israel was facing one of the greatest Zionist moments of its life, and it was so wonderful. And people used to say, why? There's 300,000 people protesting, and, uh, you know, there's such a divide. I said, no, 300,000 people protesting for 37, 39 weeks, whatever it was. Not one car burned, not one house burned, and the biggest crisis that was happening was you were running out of Israeli flags. My gosh, it was a moment 
of unbelievable history. Let's seize that. And Aliyah isn't about moving there because I need it. It's not to move there because you need it. It's to move there because it's a great place to be. I want to be there. You'll want me there. By the way, the Rose Garden, it's not. It's a good, pretty good Rose Garden with a bad post office. Um, we'll conclude. I'll, I'll, I'll ask this question. I, I think the, the answer is obvious after this this, this discussion. You, you know, are you, Mr. Robinson, are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future of American Jewry and the future of the state of Israel? So, Ari, I, I love this because I always tell the story that in 1965, 66, there was a magazine called Look Magazine. Look, and I always tell the younger viewers, it was a magazine, it's a piece of paper that used to come to your home and so on. It was really, And they had the front article, the front of the article, Look Magazine, it wasn't a Jewish magazine, was the diminishing Jew. And they predicted all of the great demographic scientists and so on, predicted that by the year 2000, the Jewish community would be in America down to 1.5 million. Orthodox Jewry would be dead. Uh, reform would be near dead. And conservative Jewry would be about all that's left. So I always say, look, magazines out of business. We're 8.5 million Jews. We've grown by 10.5% over the past 10 years. And if you want to really, and I'm not going to get into halachic, you know, but if you start looking around, reform congregations have building campaigns. Why? Oh, because they're running out of space. And people are go into a grocery store in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. I grew up in a small town, Texas. I used to have to go to the synagogue to go buy Passover food. Okay. Now you go to the grocery store, everybody's selling it. By the way, the Hanukkah also, the Passover, they don't know what if it's Jewish, they put it up on the shelf. Passover sales in America have gone up 10% per year in 10 years. I don't know who's eating those crackers. Okay. I just got to believe, Ari, that some Christian isn't saying, I can't wait for that matzah time to come around. There is a resurgence of Jewish life. We're growing. We're, we're strong. We are committed. We are wanting to be connected. Let us open the door and let's have that tent. I am so optimistic. I believe tomorrow is the greatest moment for our Jewish people. Well, uh, well, I think we'll conclude on that note because we can't get any better than that. Are the boxes still available? The, uh, the Absolutely. Go to JNF.org. Go to jnf.org, and you can find it on our blue boxes. You can order one, and we'll send you one. Okay. Again, um, Russell Robinson, um, the CEO of uh, JNF, the Jewish National Fund, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me.